Hello, I'm Dr. Joseph Kern, and welcome to A Radiant Moment. Get ready to receive helpful insights and a relevant word for today's world. For service times, live streaming, and location, visit us online at RadiantLifeAZ.com. Now, let's listen in as we bring you a powerful and dynamic word for your life today. This is A Radiant Moment with Dr. Joseph Kern. Holy Spirit, give me 40 vision in the house that I might know the heights, the de- depths, the length, and the breadth of your will and your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, hallelujah. So again, this is the fifth week. We find out, we found out that God destroyed the earth with a flood in Genesis 6, 13. It says, and God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So God sees the corruption on earth and he decides to destroy the whole race. And if you have not been here, I encourage you to listen to the last four online or else you will not know. You'll be confused because we're teaching some really deep stuff here today. And um, but why were why was the world destroyed? It's not what you think. In Genesis chapter six, verse one through two, and also verse four, it tells us, and it came to pass when men begin to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters are born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair and they took them wives of all of them, which they chose. Verse four, there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And the church said, so, and we already studied this for the last five weeks or four weeks, excuse me where we read that the sons of God, the angels, the fallen beings, came down, had sexual relations with women, produced a group of hybrids, half angelic, half human, called the Nephilim. And some of them actually became giants. And the Bible says some of the ancient stories that you've heard originate from them. He says men of renown are men that you've heard stories about forever. In fact, it was really funny because... Last week, I taught about where they landed on Mount Hermon, and it was 200 of them in the days of Jasher, who was the father of Noah, and, 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 and um, um, Jasher literally, or excuse me, J, um, Japhet, and it literally means they shall descend. So in the days of Japhet, they shall descend, the fallen angels came down, and I was eating lunch with Seth yesterday, and Seth goes, you know, I went to go see Wonder Woman. He says, and they were preaching your message. I go, they were. He says, well... Y'all know Wonder Woman is supposedly comes from the Greek gods. And so they put Greek mythology in. And I didn't watch the film, but he says the beginning of the film, they show them landing on Mount Hermon, just like we preached last week. I think they're getting us ready for another landing. Come on, talk to me. And I'm not joking about that. I really believe that. So fallen angels begin to commit fornication with women, which produced the hybrid Nephilim race. Job, the oldest book in the Bible, confirms this. Look at this. This is in Job. Job chapter 4, verse 17 through 18. Shall mortal man be more than just God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Behold, he put no trust in his servants and his angels he charged with folly. So Job says that God charges angels with folly. The word folly is the Hebrew word tohola. It originates from the Hebrew word halah, meaning bluster, braggadocio. And by implication, it means stupidity or foolishness. So God actually charged that some of his angels acted in foolishness. They acted stupid. 
And it's interesting because another Bible dictionary says it indicates, this word folly indicates a deviation from perfection, a flaw of any kind or error. But I want you to know whenever the word folly is used in the Old Testament, it's always a reference to a certain sin. And guess what kind of sin that is? Sexual sin. It's really fascinating when you study the whole Old Testament, when Shechem, the son of Hamar, when raped Dinah, the daughter of King David, or excuse me, the daughter of Jacob, forgive me. It was said that, look at Genesis chapter 34, one through two, seven. Well, let's go to seven. And the sons of Jacob came out of the field when they heard it. And the men were grieved. Why? Because Jacob's daughter was raped. And they were very wroth because he had wrought what? Folly in Israel. So when this man raped the daughter of Jacob, the Bible says, or Shechem, when he raped Dinah, he committed folly. It's interesting when you study Deuteronomy 22, where it talks about what to do with the woman who cheats on her husband. In Deuteronomy 22, 21, notice what it says about her. Then they shall bring out the damsel to the door of her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her with stones that she die. Why? Because she hath wrought what? Folly in Israel. Before Absalom raped his sister, again, now this is the, the son of King David, raped his, the daughter of King David. She begged him not to do this. Look at in 2 Samuel chapter 13, go to verse 12. Notice it says, and she answered him, nay, my brother, do not force me. Don't rape me. Don't force me to have sex with you. Look what she says. For no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not thou this, what? What's my point? The Bible says he charged folly towards his angels. And it wouldn't make sense unless you understand Genesis 6, because folly is sexual sin. Let's look at the Septuagint translation, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew scripture in Job 4.18. Let's look at it. It says, whereas he trusts not his servants and perceives perverseness in his angels. The Septuagint says he saw perverseness, which is a term for sexual sin in his angels. And again, if you weren't here, we covered that for the last four weeks. So why did God destroy the earth with the flood? To keep the human seed pure. What, what do I mean by that? You had generations of people who were half angelic, half human. And it changed their DNA that some actually begin to manifest in how tall they were and supernatural strength. We looked at archaeology. I showed you footprints and some of the archaeology. Guess what? They don't know how they, they can't do it today. Some of the, the pyramids and some of the walls that you find all over the world. They're these big, large stones done perfectly. We don't have the equipment today. But guess what the legends are that giants did this. That's the legends from everywhere these things are, including the pyramids. But it's in the Bible that they did these things. Now, the only one found carrying the pure Adamic seed was Noah. Where's that? Genesis 6-9. Come on, let's go there. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his what? Generations. Underline that word. And Noah walked with God. Notice Noah was perfect in his what? Hebrew word genealogy. In other words, God supernaturally protected so that Noah had none of this perverse seed in his DNA. And you're saying, why is that so important? The Bible says, and we're going to look at the scripture in Peter, that he was a preacher of righteousness. And Noah preached 120 years and not one of the Nephilim got saved. 
Now, when you can have Noah, who almost talked face to face with God, and then he can talk to you, and he's telling you, get saved for 120 years, and you don't, there's something wrong in your DNA. Come on, talk to me. Well, now you know why Satan did it. The whole reason was to pervert this human seed to produce a children who were rebellious, full of Satan, that would reject the word of God, and it was almost so successful. And, and, and by the way, you know what he was doing? He was trying to block, remember we learned last week? The seed of the Messiah. Trying to stop Jesus from being born. In fact, come on, let's go. Let's, let's look at this. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 5, we find that the Lord destroyed the earth, the giant race, except for Noah and his family, who carried the pure Adamic seed. And by the way, let me just remind you, this was so successful that the Bible says in Genesis 6 and also after that, after the flood, Satan goes, we almost did it, let's do it again. So you see the same thing happening afterwards because they were so successful. And, and see, Satan thought he tricked Jesus because God said, I'll never destroy the world with a what? Let's do it again. We were almost successful. What's he, how is he going to fix it the next time? Are, are you getting me? I'm going to show you what Jesus did. He had a um, go for it moment. Come on, talk to me. A rocky moment, if you will. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, right there, you got to go, what is it talking about, the angels that sinned? You know Genesis 6. But cast them down to hell. Underline that word, because that word hell there is only used twice in the Bible. Whenever you see a word only used once or twice, it's a rare word. And deliver them into chains of darkness. Look at your neighbor and say chains of darkness. To be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteous, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Notice the Bible says the angels that sinned, God cast them into where? Hell. The Greek word, though, you might, you might want to write this down, is the word Tartaru or Tartarus. It means prison place or incarceration. Strong's Concordant defines Tartarus as it is the deepest abyss of Hades to incarcerate in internal torment, cast down to hell. Tartarus is said to be as far below the earth as earth is from heaven. So Tartarus is a specific place in hell. It's the lowest part of the dimension of hell, and it's called the prison place. And guess who's held there? The angels that sinned. The angels that committed fornication on earth are held in the lowest part of hell. It's specific. It's only for fallen angels. And it's called what? Say it again. Not tartar sauce, tartar us. Come on, talk to me. Now, here's what's interesting. Imagine you almost destroyed the whole planet by mixing angelic with human seed. And God supernaturally is only, he's able to save Noah and just his family. And he says, I won't flood the earth again. And so you go, let's do it again. Cause God already put himself in a box. But guess what? You already know the answer. God raised up giant killers, right? Who are supernatural. And you got dudes like five, six challenging 15 foot dudes and kicking their tail because the anointing was on them. Come on, talk to me. It's in the Bible. Well, uh, amen. Now, here's what's interesting. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 through 20. Because the fallen beings thought they were going to win this. And Genesis 3, 15, we already studied that last week, where God prophesied that's what Satan was going to do. He says, your seed's going to fight against the woman's seed, but he's going to break your head. Now, look at um, 1 Peter 3, 18 through 20. For Christ also hath once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Here it comes. Here it comes but which also he went 
and he preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few is that his eight souls were saved by water. He connects Noah with the angels that are placed in the prison place. And he says the spirits that are in prison. Did you know some theologians teach that the spirits in prison are men? No, it's not. Nowhere in the Bible are men called spirits. They might be called the spirit of men. That's Hebrews 12, 23. You might see the spirits of all flesh. That's Numbers 16, 22. You might even hear the spirit of prophets, 1 Corinthians 14, 32, but you never hear the Bible calling men simply spirits. No, it's specifically speaking about Tartarus. Who's held in Tartarus? Come on, talk to me. The fallen angels and their spirit beings. So they're called spirits in prison. Now here's what's interesting. Notice the Bible says that Jesus did not go to Sheol. Now I know you don't know, know Hebrew or Greek, but Sheol is the place where it's called hell in English, but it's the place where humans are kept. Sheol. It's the place where, and he goes, he didn't go to Sheol. The Bible says he went to Tartarus where the fallen angels are kept. And it says he preached to them. So many people think, did he preach in the gospel? No, the word preach there means to announce. So what did Jesus announce? Well, remember, those angels are there because they tried to stop his birth. And now he gets off the cross, and in the supernatural realm, he descends, according to Ephesians, into hell, not just to where the people are. He goes another layer down where the fallen angels are kept, and he says, you tried to stop me from coming. Look, here I am. What do you think of me now? Come on, saints. He mocked them. He said, you tried to stop my birth. Go for it. Make my day. And if you don't, this is absolutely amazing. Look at this in Colossians. It actually almost says that. In Colossians 2.15, it says, and having spoiled principalities. How many know he spoiled them? And powers. He made a show of them. Oh, my Lord openly, triumphing over them in it. Underline the word show. It's the only time this word is used in the Bible because it's a unique word. And the Bible wants you to understand what he did when he went into that prison place. That word show is the Greek word degmatizo, or degma for short. Don't even worry about writing degma. And you know what? It's the word that the Romans used when they won a battle, they'd win a battle and they get the king who was, who fought them, dared to challenge them and they kept him alive. And what they would do is they put him in chains and they put him in the degma, the open show to show the greatness of Rome while the king's being paraded in chains like this. And the Bible says, Jesus put the principalities, he spoiled them and put him in the degma. Come on, saints. He made an open show. He says, you lost. I'm the one that has overcome. I'm the, win I'm the one which was, which is, and is to come. You can't stop me. Man, come on, saints. The apostle Peter in verse 5 connects the sins of angels with Noah. Same as Genesis 6. So what we need to understand due to the hybridization program on earth at this time God spared not the angels nor the old world except for Noah. Now, here's what you need to put in your notes. He did not destroy the earth because of sinners. He destroyed it because the human race was now mixed. Now, saints, why am I taking my time to teach this? 
Because the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the end. This stuff, I'm not waiting for it to happen. It's already happening. A lot of you don't even know about it. So every week I've been revealing how what they did in the days. Every week I've shown you a modern equivalent. Today you're going to hear another one. going to blow your mind. I'm, I mean, it's, it's things that I didn't even know the answer five years ago are manifesting right now. Come on. So what did the chain angels do in case you're new and you're not sure? Go to Jude 1, 6-7. Who's Jude? He was the half-brother of Jesus. He was also son of Mary, son of Joseph. So he's Jesus' half-brother, if you will. And look at what he says. Verse 6 and 7. In the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So we know who he's talking about. The fallen angels that are in chains. And then he says what they did. He says, even as Sodom and Gomorrah. He's comparing the angels that sinned to Sodom and Gomorrah. Come on. Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because of what? Sexual sin. As the cities about them, in like manner. So it's talking about the angels. Like Sodom and Gomorrah, they gave themselves over to fornication, the angels, and going after strange flesh are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. How many you know that angels... Having sex with women, that's strange flesh. That's very strange. It's unnatural. But they did it. And we even taught you how they did it. We learned that one word that's only used twice in the Bible called okaterian. And they transformed their okaterian, remember? So that they could have a human body and do this. It's all in the scripture. We showed it to you. In fact, the Bible says what they did to come from heaven to earth, we have to do in the reverse to go with them. Remember? Change our okaterian. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back. We're building, building, building. Concept upon concept, precept upon precept. Now, what's interesting, Jude then quotes from the book of Enoch. Now, Enoch is not considered canon, but it, even the disciples considered it historically accurate. Does that make sense? It's not scripture, but they considered it historically accurate. And so he quotes from Enoch, Jude chapter 1, verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. So Enoch attached, isn't it interesting, the fallen angels that sinned with the last days of the Lord's second coming. And why does he quote from Enoch? We have the book to this day. They had it in the disciples that we still have it to this day. And guess what the whole book of Enoch is? It's about Genesis 6 and about specifically about the fallen beings that sinned with women on the earth. You can have 36 chapters of it if you're interested. Well, guess what? I want to quote just one part of it because Enoch then tells you what happened to the giants. And I think this is interesting because we'll come back to it three teachings from now, talking about the difference between demons and fallen angels. A lot of people think fallen angels are demons. Let's look at this. Go to Enoch chapter 15, 18 through 12. I know it's not in your Bible, but you have it up here. Let's read it. And now the giants who are produced from the spirits and flesh shall be called evil spirits upon the earth, and on the earth shall be their dwelling. Evil spirits have proceeded from their bodies because they are born from men and from the holy watchers, that's the angels, is their beginning and primal origin. They shall be evil spirits on earth and evil spirits shall they be called. And as for the spirits of heaven and heaven shall be their dwelling, but as for the spirits of the earth, which were born upon the earth, on the earth shall be their dwelling. And the spirits of the giants, listen to this, afflict, oppress, destroy, attack, do battle and work destruction on the earth and cause trouble. They take no food. Why? Because they're invisible now. But nevertheless, hunger and thirst and cause offenses. And these spirits shall rise against the children of men and against the women because they have proceeded from them. So according to Enoch, all the Nephilim who were hybrids, when they died, they didn't go to heaven or hell. They were left to roam the earth as demons. No wonder why 
There's a difference between angels look, don't look for bodies because they have a body. They just change their own But demons seek people to possess. Why? Because the only way they can manifest is through a what? See, even through this teaching, you begin to understand even more about spiritual warfare. You're not dealing with a fallen angel. You're dealing with a Nephilim from thousands of years ago who's trying to manifest, who roams the earth until their time is done. Come on, that's heavy stuff right there. Maybe that's why Isaiah wrote in, in Isaiah 24, 1, Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and he maketh it a waste. Remember Tohu Bohu? He turneth upside down and scattered abroad the what? The inhabitants thereof. He didn't put them in heaven or hell. The, 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 he just scattered them. And here's why I think it's talking about the Nephilim, because it's in reference to when the fallen angels, or the high ones, were in league with the kings of earth. Look at verse 20, 21. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard. That happened at the destruction when God flooded the earth because of the fallen ones. And shall be removed like a cottage, and the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it, and it shall fall and not rise again. Why? And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high and the kings of the earth upon the earth. Whoa. So what happened? There was a day when the fallen angels were in league with the kings of the earth. Next week, I'm going to show you how so many of the ancient leaders before the flood were giants. Why? Because they were what? Nephilim. And the Bible says he destroyed the earth. He made it shake like a drunk man and he spread the inhabitants. Come on, saints. We know them as demons. Good thing you come to Radiant Life Church. Now, we can either do this here or in a park. Come on, talk to anyone. We'll stop. We'll go for it. <laughs> but I'm going to preach. You're not going to shut me up. Amen? <laughs> Had to throw that in. Pastor's cold, isn't he? <laughs> now, here, are we ready? This is, this is absolutely amazing what we're about to do. How many, how many are ready for it? Are you ready for this? This, I mean, this is amazing what we're about to talk about right now. Where is the prison place for the fallen angels? Where is it? It's called what? Which is another dimension, right? Here's what's interesting. The scripture reveals where four of the angels are literally chained in the spirit realm. Go to Revelation chapter 9. I need to tell you this because I don't have the time, but I'm going to tell you this much. Revelation 9 is the most scariest, craziest chapter in the whole Bible. Because what you find is that there's a fallen angel called Abaddon. But his Greek name is Apollyon or Apollo. And he's literally released from one dimension to the next. The Bible uses the language. He's in a pit that's in another dimension. And somehow, follow me, he manifests on the earth. It doesn't tell how it happens. But when he manifests on the earth, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you an overview. He then has, check this out. This will blow your mind. He has this army and they are half human and they're half animals. And that didn't make sense to me 15 years ago. But with what they're doing right now in genetics, come on, mixing humans, and, and, and we're going to talk a lot about this for two weeks, three weeks from now. Now it makes sense. And what's crazy, they destroy one-third of the population when this guy from Abaddon comes from the dimension of the abyss and he manifests on the earth somehow. Crazy. I'm going to show you how I believe that might happen. Revelation 9, 14 through 15. Now look at this. Saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Let's start right there. Yeah, four angels that are bound in Euphrates. Four of them, the worst of the worst. Now, why were they bound? Why were they bound? The Bible tells us they were bound for what? Sexual fornication. But in the last days, what happens to them? Verse 15, and the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day 
and a month and a year to slay a third part of men. If you read the whole thing, it talks about their army in the earlier verses. Describes them. The only way you can describe it is go watch the X-Men and you'll understand what you're seeing in, in Revelation 9. Spooky. They are released during the second half of the Great Tribulation. They start a war that kills one-third of all men on the earth. Here, I have a question for you. We know where four of them are. They're literally at the Euphrates River right now. I wish I could give you military accounts of people who are there right now in Iraq and Afghanistan at the Euphrates River, and some of the things they tell you will blow you away. You're going to hear one story that will absolutely blow you away three weeks from now. You don't want to miss it. I got their testimony on film. You don't want to miss it. Now, here's, are you ready for this? Are you, are you ready? Say, I'm ready. There are so many bizarre conspiracy theories about Antarctica. Have you been hearing all the conspiracy theories? That come from some valid sources. I mean, everyone, even the flat earthers claim Antarctica as a secret something, something, something. I'm about to expose to you what I believe is happening in Antarctica. Because the Bible tells us we're four of them, but where's the other what? 196. I think I found them. Come on, let's talk about it. Let me give you... Two of the main theories about Antarctica, and you're, you're, this is going to make sense in a minute. The first theory is that there's a secret Nazi base located in Antarctica, and you can see all the news clips. In 1938, supposedly, there was an expedition of the Queen Maudland region of Antarctica. The Nazis, it was said, discovered a vast network of underground warm water rivers and caves. They built a city-sized base called Base 211, our New Berlin. At some point, according to many people, and some are pretty good, they're good references. The Germans either discovered, abandoned alien technology, or made contact with extraterrestrial beings. Many people believe that's actually where Hitler split after World War II, and there's some evidence he might have. My point is, the number one theory is that somehow that's a, there's a Nazi base there that has alien technology. Some of you, this shouldn't shock you because now it's in all the f movies, right? Right, you always see Hitler, ancient technology, but supposedly it was um, um, space technology, alien technology, which I won't get into more detail because we're going to cover some of this later. I just want to give you the theory. Um, the second, theory two, ready for theory two? That there is an alien base located at Antarctica. Everyone knows about the no-fly zone above Antarctica because there are supposed um, UFOs, aliens, and a giant entrance hole to the alien base there. Um, in fact, there's a picture of, looks like a pyramid. I, you know, I, I submit that to you. But did you know there's a place in Antarctica no one's allowed to fly? What are they hiding? I mean, they add to the conspiracy theories when no one in the world's allowed to fly over it. Come on, talk to me. Well, we have an answer from a guy named Brian, age 59, who alleges to be a former retired U.S. Navy petty officer, first class flight engineer, in a squadron called Antarctic Development Squadron 6. He claimed to have been part of a crew that flew through a no-fly zone because he had the clearance to do this. He worked in the military. He flew above the no-fly zone above Antarctica, and here's what he claims, that he beheld UFOs, aliens, and the alien base entrance many times when he had to fly. So this is someone in the military. Is it true? I don't know. Is it disinformation? But there's something going at Antarctica. Come on. And I want, to veil, I want to release the secrecy of what I believe it is. But let's continue. Many believe, if you want to call it theory two, or theory three, is that America has a secret military base on Antarctica. That there's a secret base there. Isn't it interesting that just weeks after WikiLeaks released a large set of photos of Antarctica, on November 11th, 2016, this year, or, or actually, this, this, no, this is not last year, that's this year. I said 2016, it was 2017. 
Secretary of State John Kerry flies to Antarctica to talk to scientists about the climate. Okay, Trump just won. It's November 11th. Trump's going to take over nine days. What is so important that John Kerry, the Secretary of State, has to fly to Antarctica, and he's there to talk about climate control? And he has to hike miles and miles, and can't you just call on the phone and talk about it? Can't they send you a report by fax or email? Or come on, talk to me. Something is there. Why is the Secretary of State, when there's a change in power, suddenly reporting to Antarctica? Come on, let's continue. Now, this is not, this is not conspiracy theory right here. This is reported. On April 18th, 2017, Russian President Vladimir Putin announces the opening of a top-secret military base in the Arctic believed to be fully armed with missile systems and nuclear-ready fire jets. Look at the picture. He's admitting, yeah, we have a secret base there. America's acting like we don't. But our people are flying over there. In fact, you'll read in November, uh, um, December 1st, you can look it up, December 1st, Buzz Aldrin, the one who walked, the second man who walked to the moon, he flew to Antarctica. He's, how old, 86? And when he got there, he got so sick, he had to fly back and it made all the news. Why are we sending a NASA guy who's 86 to Antarctica, and then the Secretary of State follows a few weeks later. After, a few weeks later, after the leak of these weekly photos, what some believe might be weird technology, put it that way. What's my point? We do know Putin has a military base. We know America does. We won't be sending all these people. What is going on there? Why is it so secretive? Well, it's interesting. I want to go to the text of Enoch. I'm going to blow your mind here. Say, so he's going to blow your mind. In Enoch chapter 18, it talks about where the chained angels were chained, where they were, the fallen angels, where they were chained. And I saw the winds on the earth, which support the clouds. And I saw the past angels. I saw at the ends of the earth, the firmament of heaven above. And I went towards the south. For time's sake, I'm not going to read anymore. You can read the details about the place where they were chained. But I do want to read the next chapter, Enoch 19, which deals with us, verse 1. And Ariel said to me, the spirits of the angels who were promiscuous with women will stand here. And they, assuming many forms, made men unclean and will lead men astray so that they sacrifice to demons as gods. And they will stand there until the great judgment day on which they will be judged so that the end will be made of them. One of the things Enoch reveals is that in the last days before their judgment, they're released again, which we read in Revelation. So we know it's, it goes with the book of Revelation. And they caused men to sacrifice to devils again and sacrifice to idols again. This is in the last days. Now, here's what's powerful. The place that Enoch is describing sounds like Antarctica. Verse 6, I went towards the south. Where's Antarctica located? South Pole. He, and he's talking about, I went to the south to go find the place where the angels are chained. Verse 6, it was burning day and night. How many know that in Antarctica, the sun doesn't set there? It's always day. And that this place is described in the south where it's always day. Verse 6 again, where there were seven mountains of precious stones, three towards the east, three towards the south. Guess what? I did my research. There is a mountain that fits this description perfectly. You're looking at it right now called Mount Vincent. Mount Vincent's located in Antarctica. It sits on seven summit mountain range, which has three mountains going south and three mountains going west. 
At 4,892 meters or 16,000 feet, Mount Vincent is the highest peak in Antarctica, and it's known as one of the of Mount, um, mountaineering's coveted seven summits. What does that mean? It's the highest mountain on each of the seven continents. Each continent has the highest mountain. Mount Vincent happens to be the highest mountain where? At Antarctica. Mount Vincent, just like the Enoch description, has three mountains going south and three mountains going west. But on there, on Google Maps, it's described as southeast and as southwest. Well, here's the reason for the difference. You need to understand during Enoch's time, the earth had not been tilted off its axis. Since the time of Enoch, there's been a flood, which now the earth tilts, which is the Bible tells us. And now we have seasons all of a sudden in, in, in Genesis chapter nine, it tells us we have seasons. Why? Because now the earth had tilted because of the fall of the water. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let's keep going. If you tilt the earth back to its place in Enoch's day, the southwest mountains become south and the southeast, the southeast mountains become east. Just turn it a little bit by tilting it. And it fits the exact description. Verse 8 of Enoch. And the middle one reached to heaven. Again, Mount Vincent is the tallest mountain on the continent. So it fits that description. There's no water on it. Verse 12. It just so happens that Mount Vincent is covered with snow. Verse 12. And there's no birds. Guess what? There's no life on this mountain. You won't find In fact, one of the reasons why um, Al just got sick. Because again, it's almost like Mars. It's really hard to breathe. And he got water in his lungs. And you can read the article. Verse 12. Notice he says it was a desert place. Are you ready for this? Snowfall in Antarctica is so low that the continent has been called, quote, the world's coldest desert. It's a desert, even though it's covered with snow. The interior receives less than three centimeters or one inch of precipitation a year, making it the driest continent on Earth. Some scientists believe that no rain or snow has fallen in some of the dry valleys in Victoria Land for two million years. So watch. What am I saying? Here, the Bible talks about 196 at least angels are chained. Enoch describes, and it fits perfectly Antarctica. And what do we find in Antarctica? Nowhere in the world are you allowed to fly over to see whatever there. And you have governments who have secret military bases, and now they're telling you. We have heads of state going to Antarctica back and forth. What is my point? I believe, and I submit to you, that Antarctica is where they have the chained ones. And it might be, just like in Genesis 6, through some type of scientific communication, they're already communicating with these terrestrial, our extraterrestrial beings. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, you, what I just said, Pastor, you got on the, I'm not done yet. You haven't heard all the evidence yet. This is just part one. So we got all these science, all these head state going to Antarctica. We hear that the chained ones are there. And we're hearing all of a sudden there's UFOs and crazy technology that's coming out of there. And by the way, when the, when the sons of God landed in verse 1, they released that type of technology. We're going to study more of that next week. Okay. But we need to go to something. This is going to blow your mind. This is, this is going to blow your mind. So I believe Antarctica is the place where these chained ones are. The text in, in Enoch 91 predicts in the last days they will lead men astray so that they sacrifice the demons as gods. So Enoch says, these fallen beings that you see chained here, which I believe is Antarctica, in the last days they're going to be released and they're going to cause men to sacrifice to demons who they think are gods again. I have a question for you. Does modern man, do we sacrifice to demons as gods anymore? I'm going to submit to you. Yeah, we do. I submit to you, we still do. That brings us... And you're going to see the tie. Write it down. It's called CERN. Capital C-E-R-N. 
Here's the connection between Antarctica and CERN. Get ready. Put your seatbelts on. I want to give you seven startling facts about CERN that I believe will make Revelation 9 happen. That this Abaddon Apollyon creature, according to the scripture, comes from the abyss and through he's brought out of that dimension and he's manifested on the earth. I believe that CERN is the key. I want to give you seven startling facts. Let me tell you about CERN first. What is CERN? It's, Europe, it's the European Organization for Nuclear Research and CERN has the world's largest Hadron Collider, LHC, and it's, it, it's the most powerful particle accelerator. Straddling the French-Swiss border, the 9 billion CERN Collider complex is buried at a depth of 575 feet. The tunnel complex runs about 17 miles circuit. Now listen, let me give you seven facts that will blow your mind about this. Number one, CERN is tapping into dark matter. That's what they're trying to do. Only 4% of the universe makes up of the physical, visible matter. The race is on to find the particles are the phenomena responsible for dark matter, 23%, and dark energy, 73%. CERN's stated goal is to separate by the way of the atom smasher, the invisible dark matter, which has been described as the very glue that holds the universe together from the visible. They actually call it the God particle. They're trying to find how that Big Bang, they're trying to take it back to that point by using this machine. Fact number two, CERN generates extreme temperatures. Listen to this. CERN generates extreme temperatures as hot as the conditions in the universe after the Big Bang, more than 100,000 times the temperature at the center of the sun. This is done by accelerating and colliding together two beams of heavy ions. Did you hear what I said? That's why it's underground. They're producing temperatures 100,000 times the temperature of the center of the sun. Fact number three. Here's where it gets crazy. They are trying to open the door to another dimension. One year after CERN's grand opening, Sergio Bertolucci, former director for research and scientific computing of the facility, grabbed headlines when he told a British tabloid the super collider could open otherworldly doors to another dimension for a very tiny lapse of time, mere fractions of a second. However, that may be just enough time to peer into this open door, either by getting something out of it or sending something in it. Of course, added Bertolucci, after this tiny moment, the, war, the, war, the, the door would shut again, bring us back to our normal four-dimensional world. It'd be a major leap in our vision of nature. And of course, there would be no risk to the stability of our world. The stated goal of the director is they want to open a dimension, a parallel universe, so that we can either let somebody in or we can send somebody in there as our representative. That's their true goal. Not to find out the God particle. It's really, they're trying to open a door to the spiritual dimension and they admit we're so curious. We can't, like sending someone to Mars, we can't wait to put someone in that dimension. But someone might come out, they said. We don't know who. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm like, this is the book of Revelation. Now these things are making sense. And if you think this is science fiction, it's not. Here's the fact number four. Stephen Hawkins is worried. British physicist Stephen Hawkins wrote in the preface to a book, Stamus, a collection of lectures by scientists, state the God particle found by CERN could destroy the universe. He's not just... I mean, he's not just speculating and being funny. He's serious. He understands what they're doing. You open up another dimension, you might destroy the, our known universe. 
the Higgs boson could become unstable at a very high energy levels and have the potential to trigger, quote, a catastrophic vacuum decay, which would cause space and time to collapse. Listen to this. And we could not have any warning to the dangers. He says you could actually affect space and time. I wonder if this has anything to do how the Bible says that time will even be shortened. Come on, come on, saying this is what the Bible said is now becoming scientifically possible. In 2008, Otto Rossler, a German professor at the University of Tübingen, filed a lawsuit against CERN with the European Court of Human Rights on the grounds that the facility could trigger a mini black hole that could get out of control and annihilate the planet. The court tossed it out. This dude worked for them. He knows what they're doing. Fact number five. CERN's curious choice of geographic location. Are you ready? I hope you're paying attention because in Revelation 9, I told you that a guy by the name of Abaddon is released out of literally out of the abyss from one dimension to another. His name in Greek is Apollyon, and he has an army of hybrid warriors. Read it. Get ready for this. Are you ready? The town in France where CERN is partially situated is called San Genis Poly, but that's not its original name. Get ready. The name Pali comes from the Latin Apollicum. It is believed that the Roman times, a temple existed in honor of Apollo. And the people who live there believe that it is a gateway to the underworld. They built the CERN where Apollo, the god, used to live. Apollicon in Greek. The place of And it's believed that that place, there's a gate to the underworld there. And that's where they picked to put their particle, whatever it is, LHC. Okay, let's go back to the scripture because the scripture reveals during the Great Tribulation, a fallen angel by the name of Apollyon, the same person, is released from the underworld into this dimension. Revelation 11. And they had a king over them, which is the angel, he's a fallen angel, of the bottomless pit. Why is he put down there? We already know for, for fornication. Whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. But in the Greek tongue, he has his name Apollyon. And so he's released, according to the Bible, in the middle of the tribulation, out of the hell. And on earth, he wages a war. And here, this CERN, they built it on the place of Apollyon, the same name, same God. And they want to bring him out of another dimension. Saints. We are in the last days. I'm not making this up. This is coming from science. It is interesting to note, I wrote in my notes, that CERN is built on the same spot that Apollyon originated. Listen to this. I wrote this. What if this is how, listen closely, I submit this to you. This is how the spirit king Apollyon and his demonic army are released on the earth by way of opening up a portal into the spirit world that allows the chain ones to re-enter the earth and wreak havoc. What if it's through CERN? Because that's what they're trying to do. My God, my God. World War III is not the scary part. It's Revelation 9 that always scared me. And now we're seeing CERN saying that's they're on the place where Apollo lived, the place of Apollyon. They're opening a dimension, and if he comes in, well, it might be good news or it might not be bad. We don't know. Really. You won't believe this. Say, look at your name say, you won't believe this. They picked a mascot. Are you Remember, the angels will be released and they will be sacrificed to demons as gods. 
Notice this. CERN has chosen, you can see the article, as its mascot, a Hindu goddess, Shiva, who is ancient Apollyon, the goddess of destruction. Shiva is the Hindu version of Apollyon, but she's a goddess of destruction. And they dedicated, in fact, there's the idol, it's right there in CERN. They made an idol and everything, dedicated to Apollyon. But the, but the Hindu version, which is Shiva, the goddess of destruction. In August of 2016, it was reported that an individual filmed, oh, this, okay, this, okay, okay, I got to, all right, I got to stop here just for a minute. So here they decided to dedicate CERN to Apollyon, but the Hindu version, Shiva, the goddess of destruction, built on the land of Apollyon. Are you ready for this? This will blow your mind. In August of 2016, it was reported, and I had this confirmed. In fact, I have the film. That an individual filmed several individuals in black cloaks performing a human sacrifice occult ceremony on the CERN property right next to Shiva by stabbing a woman to death. I have it on film. I don't want to show it to you. It was, and it's right in front of Shiva on CERN. They have a woman, and she, she's naked. They take off the cloak. The people in black then stab her and kill her right in front of Shiva on the CERN property. Well, they did an investigation. What do you think CERN said? Oh, it was a hoax. That people did the ceremony, but they didn't really kill the lady. Okay. Even if it's a hoax, why are you doing a satanic ritual blood sacrifice to Shiva if even if it's a hoax? Something wrong. Remember the prophecy that linked to these angels that they'll be sacrificing to devils as gods. And it's already happening. They're trying to release Apollyon. And they're already sacrificing blood sacrifices. Go watch the video. RT News reported that it's not if that that it wasn't. They weren't faking it. It was real, and they actually know who the murderers are. Now, let me give you the satanic link between the satanic rituals and aliens. Are you ready for this? It's all going to come around. That's why you come to Radiant Life. Aleister Crowley, the most influential satanist and occultist in modern media, especially in the music industry. You see Jay-Z still wearing all his stuff and his quotes. Not just Jay-Z, because they're all, a lot of them are satanists and Luciferians. You just don't know that. He was so evil, the newspapers of the day called him the Beast and 666. The reason why they called him that? Because he actually sacrificed children to the devil. And he names how many in his books. And he never would get arrested for this stuff. It's crazy how he got away. But he had a lot of connections with Secret Service, um, British Secret Service. And in fact, um, he would commit pedophilia. Oh, Lord. Sex acts with the children before he, he killed them. He was the famous practitioner of perverted sex magic whose motto was, do what thou wilt. How many are familiar with that? If you're young, you know that you've seen a lot of the music. Do That comes from Aleister Crowley. Are you ready for this? Here's, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you something that's really interesting. In 1918, look at your neighbor say 1918. Crowley was really young then. He conjured a, a familiar spirit, a demon, by the name of Lam, who dictated one of his books. According to the Thelemic legend, Aleister Crowley came into contact with this interdimensional entity named Lam, who, by the way, is a dead ringer of the popular conception of the alien gray. Look at, look at that. 
From this purported encounter, Mr. Crowley, Mr. Crowley, excuse me, supposedly intentionally opened up a portal of entry through the practice of a magic ritual called the Amanthala trial working, which allows the likes of lamb and other alien grays a passageway onto the earth plane. In 1918, he did a satanic ritual that is so dangerous that supposedly everyone that did it before them were killed by demons as they did it. And it's a mixture of magic and sex. And so he does this dangerous sex magic. And the purpose was to open up a dimension so that lamb could come through. Supposedly he was successful. And lamb came through. And notice what he looks like. Just like the modern gray alien. And, and what's interesting, it's from this point on that UFOs go what? Whoa! 1947, and then you have these depictions of people that look like Lamb. I believe that he was so evil that he was used to open up the dimension to release what we now call UFO phenomenon, but they're none other than, what, fallen spirits. Are you hearing me? What's my point? In Revelation 9, it says that Abaddon is going to be released from the pit on the earth. How do, how do you transfer from one dimension to another? I think two ways. One way, through sex magic, what they did is they already opened up a portal in the spiritual realm, but through the aid of science, they can finish it. So watch this. Even if that ritual, which is filmed on CERN, which you can watch online, is fake, what are they doing? A sex magic ritual, open up portals on the same place where they're opening up a portal. What it sounds like to me is that they're mixing occultic rituals with science, and one day they're going to be successful. Oh, is this where I was at? And guess who's going to come through? Apollyon. And that's what crazy. In other words, we are now mixing satanic rituals caught on film on the place with the place where they're scientifically they have the power and the technology to break dimensions. Okay. Let's do one last thing. How, can you guys give me three minutes? But you know what? Before I do that, let me give you fact number seven. If you think that everything I'm saying is, is well, I'm giving you the doc. This is what they're trying to do. Let's look at their logo. Why is their logo 666? Look at their logo. CERN is what? So the future economic system of the Antichrist is tied to this number, and they have it as their logo. CERN is literally 666. In Revelation 13 through 17, or 13, 13 through 17, and no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's the wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for is the number of a man, and his number is 600. And three score and six, are we know it as 666. So here the place where they're trying to open up a dimension. They're trying to let Apollyon through. They're on the land of Apollyon. They have Shiva, the goddess of destruction. It almost looks like a, a, a port, even what she's on. And here, the Bible, then their logo is what? 666, the number three. There's no doubt, saints, that some of these things that I didn't even understand 15 years ago now make perfect sense because we have the technology and it all starts with the fallen beings and this communication going on, which I believe is happening in Antarctica. And what they're doing is they're giving man the technology to release them. 
They're saying, I'll give you technology, but you have to release us. So they're over there talking, communicating. I believe that. And CERN over here is going to open with the technology they gave them. And then pretty soon, boom, here they come on the earth. Oh, my God. Let's watch a video and I'm done. You don't want to miss the next 10 weeks. This is the biggest machine ever made in the world in history. I believe it's 17 miles long. It's in France and Switzerland. If you see a map, it's the, the map, it's a circle. It would be almost five miles across. And the reason they buried it under the ground is because they might have an oops. And you know, back, uh, uh -huh. back yeah. when we were testing nuclear warheads, we'd take them deep down underneath the earth yeah. because yeah. you wouldn't want to blow one of these up on the surface of the earth, right? Right. right. I'm curious how they got permission to dig that many miles under France and under Switzerland. And uh, th this is what the, the headline, I, I don't know if it's, it's just this week, I think. This is the headline. Stephen Hawking, he called the God particle could destroy the universe. He keeps warning. He's supposed to be one of the most brilliant minds ever in history. And he keeps warning that this, he calls it God particles. Do you understand this at all? Well, the Higgs, I don't. The Higgs boson is traditionally called the God particle, and they part of what they want to do with the collider, it's not the only thing they're doing there, is they want to see if they can discover the Higgs boson or the God particle. Essentially, we Christians would say they're looking for how God holds everything together. That's why they call it the God particle. Well, I Some read where it's what you're made up of. And what all matter, I guess. Is well, made well up that's, that's exactly right. It's what we're made up of. It's also what's holding us together. They're trying to find Jesus, but they don't want to find Jesus. So they're trying yeah. to find what it, yeah. what is it that holds all matter together. That's one of the things they're looking for. Uh, the, the, what the, what CERN does, that big circle, it accelerates particles in that big circle around and around and around and around until they're traveling at just enormous velocity. Mm -hmm. And then they collide these particles together. And in that moment, it creates a moment that they think is kind of how the Big Bang started the whole universe. That's the whole purpose behind it. However, they also believe that there are parallel realities around us, other dimensions, and there could be other intelligence there. Another thing we Christians already know, right? Why not just come and ask us? You don't need to build a collider. However, there's a reason God put them on the other side of that veil, and you might not want to open the door. Oh. And, and, and here's the thing. Okay. Their, own, their own director of CERN has gave uh, uh, interviews to the British press in which he admits that's what they're trying to do. They want to open a door to another dimension. And he said, when we open this door, he said, something might come through it into our reality. Or he said, we might send something through it into their reality. You can look that up. It's in the British press where the CERN was built. This is St. Genus Poeli. That's the name of the township. But in ancient days, guess what it was called? It was called Apaliacom. It was literally a temple to the god Apollo because they believed that's the gateway to the underworld. Uh, 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 there, went, I saw a goddess. I, and I was looking at all these pictures. That's her. Shiva. Actually, they built, uh, the, the, they have the, the god, the Hindu god of destruction that destroys at the molecular level is right out in front of the offices of CERN and it's that's, dedicated it's to Shiva. 
Isn't that spooky? If I can have all my altar workers come up. I would like to do one last thing. I know we don't have service tonight and I'm not going to take more than five minutes. But do you realize how close we are to the end? Now's not the time to be playing games with God, messing around. I hope you see the next 10 weeks. If you think this was shocking, you're just, this is why it's going to take 16 weeks. I'm going to share with you about two weeks from now a vision of a boy who died and came back. And he makes mention of Revelation 9. That's all I'm going to tell you for now. You don't want to miss. Stand up in the house of the Lord. If you have never received Jesus, are, if you're struggling right now, or you love the Lord, you know you love the Lord, but you really are going through a hard time right now. I don't want you to walk in shame, embarrassment, because you can be any one of those three. I want you to come up right now and allow one of my altar workers to pray for you. I don't care where you're from. If Thank you. Appreciate that, John. Come on up. I don't care who you are. We need to take this moment. I can't preach a message like the Paul hymn and then I'll give you a chance to repent when we're at such the last days. I don't care what your area is. I don't care where you're struggling. Most people coming up are leaders in our church and I appreciate that. They're so humble. So if my leaders can come up, you can come up if you need it. St. Pastor, I've been to the altar before. Sometimes you have to come again because it's a new day. And I'm so convinced we're in the last days. I mean, we don't got no 20, 30 years. I mean, we might be talking about 10 maybe. I don't know for sure, but when you see all this technology speeding up to be able to bring the gods that were written that are going to come and now they're talking about bringing them in, not through the Bible, but through science. Like, did they not read Revelation 9 and know that that God is the one that is going to come? Crazy. How could John see that 2,000 years ago? I'll tell you how. There's a God. And there was a Jesus that appeared to him on that place, on that island of Patmos. Amen? Close your eyes. And ask the Holy Spirit, do I need to go up there and be prayed for? If that's you and he says yes, go ahead and ask him. Come on up. Because I want to make sure everyone is ministered to. I don't want to leave no one behind. Thank you. Appreciate that. Can you stretch forth your hands? We're going to leave in a few minutes. We're not going to stay long. Just stretch your hands towards these people. People are coming up because they're hurting. Because most people up here are people who are strong in the Lord. They're leaders. They're Obviously, they're going through stuff. Father, we pray for these people with all humility. Strengthen them. Be with them. We impart into them your strength on this day, on Father's Day. We release your anointing. We release your power. We release your love. 
Re-release your strength with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength we come in agreement with God for healing, for deliverance, for transformation. The Holy Spirit told me to remind you of something. Those who aren't at the altar, look at me. I just preached a heavy message on spirit beings about to come manifest on the natural. If you read the whole chapter, there's one group of people that these spirit beings can't even touch. God shouts from heaven, says, you cannot touch the ones who have the Lord's mark. Come on. There's a group of people they can't touch. It's the Christians. Isn't that powerful? So when all these things start coming onto the earth, Jesus said, many, men, many men's hearts will fail as they see that which is approached earth. We don't have to worry because we have the Lord's mark. Pass on like the angel. Come on. Just like Passover, pass over me. Get over there, devil. You can't touch me. Ezekiel, he says, mark all them that make intercession. Mark them. How many are marked by the Lord? So even as I'm teaching on the end days and we're about to see things you have never seen before, guess what? We can say like MC Hammer, can't touch this. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, no. Come on. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. I want to do one last thing before we go. Dad, come on up here. Give me your hand. We love you so much that I wanted to give you a award and then Bridget had made one for you too. So the senior pastor and the co-pastor, let me have Bridget read hers first. All right. All right. This says, Dad, we can never repay you or thank you enough for all that you've done to make our busy lives possible. You are a blessing to us. I thank God that he chose you to be a catalyst of change to speak whatever to teach our children and grandchildren to teach whatever, to speak and become whatever they want. We thank you for being our hands extended in our home and ministry lives. I honor you for being the best father I could have ever hoped for. Now, men, this is a quick teaching on marriage. Look at the difference between the one Pastor Bridget did. She has a paragraph. I have a sentence. That's the problem with us guys. Because we prefer this, but we only know how to do this. So, Dad, uh, I hope you hers is so much better. Mine says, for being a great example of a father and a grandfather. I love you. And I said it earlier, and you weren't here. He locked his keys in, his, in the house, and he locked himself out. So Sierra had to go get him. But my dad, <laughs> um, he taught Sierra to drive, and he taught her in, her subur in his Suburban. So it was quite an adventure, her turning corners and banking turns, but she's now a great driver of Suburbans. Um, my dad, too, had, he goes to the grade school with my Gabby, and he goes and he spends time at the school. And the other day when I came and he, as he was leaving, all the kids are waving, bye, Grandpa, bye, Grandpa. So he's made his mark at the, at the grade school level and at every event that the kids do when they had need volunteers sometimes my dad is the one that's there when me and joseph are not able to be there and I, again i wanted to share that with my dad we don't take those things for granted 
I know how much you do. All the time you spend driving, the days you pick up kids when we're not able to get there, I see it and I appreciate it. No one knows like you what we go through. I am four generations of preachers, okay? Four. And we get we get catfish today. Today's catfish day. So today right? is yeah. catfish day for dad. So, And so he's a rich man. Not because we have so much money, but because of the spiritual heritage that I have because of you. And I'm so thankful for that. And I, I wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for all those choir rehearsals that you drove me to. All that bad singing that you sat through for 30 something years. All those crazy kids that you would just sit and listen to the stories and pray underneath your breath for that. I thank you, Dad. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. With that, I love you and I bless you from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Go with God. Give five people a high five. Greet people and then go home. Amen. God bless. We thank you for your participation in another broadcast of A Radiant Moment. This broadcast is brought to you by the generous giving and donations of our listening audience. If this program has been a blessing to your life, you can help us expand our listening audience by giving a financial donation at RadiantLifeAZ.com. Simply click the online giving tab and fill out the amount God has placed in your heart. For service times, live streaming, and location, visit us online at RadiantLifeAZ.com. Tune in next time as we bring another relevant and radiant word for your life today. Until next time, and remember, God loves you.